today on Kingdom Rock Radio. As you first, when you when the trouble first appears, we cry, oh, God, get you out of it. Some people say, well, when I was first saved, it seemed like when I just said a little prayer, it seemed like God just answered just right there. He was right there, right there, right there. But then as you began to grow and mature in the things of God, it seemed like the answer would come not as fast. Because the mature you became, the more God knew, okay, you can wait now. Well, on today's broadcast, you're going to hear part number six of the series entitled The Golden Compass. It is subtitled The Panic Button. Have you ever hit the panic button when you wanted things just to stop? It just got too bad and you wanted just to give up, to throw in the towel and you didn't understand why. Why is all of this happening to me? Where's the panic button over here? But you know what? God has a purpose for the situation that you're in. And I want you to hear today's message and I pray that it will encourage you richly. And after you've heard the message, make sure you drop us a line. Let us know how we may pray with you that your heart may be softened through the trial that you're going through. We love you here. And don't forget to log on to our website at www.kingdomrock.org where you can download this message, hear even more, and also please subscribe to our YouTube channel and become our friend on Facebook. We would be so glad to have you there. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, The Panic Button, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right. Well, as you know, today we're continuing in our series entitled, The Golden Compass. The Golden Compass. On last week, we ministered from the subject of the touchstone. The touchstone. If you were not available or not able to hear that message, of course, you know it's available there on the uh, CD, on the table there on CD, and I believe also on DVD. It's available online as well and also on the app. So it's out there if you would like to hear that. Today, we're going to continue somewhat in that same flow. We're going right back to that same account. So let's go back to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark the sixth chapter, and uh, we're going to uh, start reading again at verse 45. We're going to go down to verse 52. Remember, Mark's account of what happened is different from that of Matthew. Matthew brings out that, uh, Matthew the 14th chapter brings out how when the Lord Jesus got there, that um, Jesus, uh, of course, was walking on the water. Mark and Matthew say that the Lord was walking on the water. But Matthew records how Peter got out of the boat and began to walk to the Lord Jesus. So you can see more about that in the book of um, Matthew, the 14th chapter. But for our purposes today, we're going to stay right here in the book of Mark because there's so much here uh, that uh, it is my desire to give to you. And I pray that in the short time that we have today, that the Lord will give you exactly what you need to have. Mark, the sixth chapter, verse number 45, and it reads this. Are you there with me? Reading out of the King James Version, it reads like this. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto uh, Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land we talked about that right it's wonderful how the how sometimes the lord even illustrates here how you just have to get alone just have to have a moment to relax a moment to reflect a moment to get recharged he sent the people away he went up to the into commune in the mountain with his father with our heavenly father and then he was just there alone some of us think that, well, we get into prayer so that we can get back out to the people, so we can get back to work, get back to the assignment. But sometimes it's needful that we interrupt things and just have that moment alone so that we can reflect and, and recharge. Isn't that wonderful? And so it says he was there alone on the land. Verse 48. And when he uh, saw them, or rather, 48 again and he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary unto them 
And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. Rather, and would have passed by them, the scripture says, 49. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. In verse 51, so very, very wonderful. 51 says, and when he went up unto them into the ship, the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. For their heart was what? Hardened. For their heart was hardened here in the King James Version. For their heart was hardened that was the same condition they had before jesus got there their heart was hardened we're going to see a little bit about that today now what we're going to do i'm going to do just a little bit of drawing here again here's a scenario jesus goes into the mountain to pray he's praying here with the father he comes out here and he stands on the on the shore we could say alone the disciples are here on the water and the destination Bethsaida is over there on the other side here's the water and uh, let me draw another boat for you I know how you love my drawing there and uh, we said normally the sailboats move to the other side by wind power this is a sailboat and it goes across to the other side normally it is by wind by wind power, right? By wind power. It's the easiest way to go. But on this particular day, as the winds should normally carry them that way, uh, the Bible says that the wind was contrary to them. Contrary, which means the wind was pushing them back to where they had been. The wind was pushing them in the opposite direction. They needed to go there they need to go forward but the wind was pushing them back seeing that situation they said well we've got to break out the oars and we've got to begin to row we've got to begin to row now that is very exciting we've got to begin to row row your boat it wasn't gently down the stream but they began to row at this point to go forward. All right. Now let's see a prophetic picture, some things that are developing here. All right. So it says here in verse number 47, it says, and, uh, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he was there alone on the land. Verse 48. And, uh, and he saw them toiling in rowing. Now we're going to stop. There are a few pictures here. We're going to have to just put the DVD, if you would, on pause. There are a few pictures we have to examine. So we're going to put our spiritual DVD on pause. Come on, help me. Go, mm. We're going to pause that picture right there. What picture do we currently see? Currently we see Jesus alone on the land. He's here on the land, and the disciples are here the disciples are here. Jesus is here. Right? We see them toiling now on the sea. Get the picture of these men. They're trying their best to get to where Jesus told them to go. They are toiling. And remember, we told you the definition. One definition of the word toiling uh, deals with the word touchstone, which means they're being struck to find out what sort of person they are what sort of individual they are what sort of metal they are made of in so many words so we see this picture they're toiling and jesus does not move he sees them in that condition and he does not move for approximately 12 hours for more on that go back to the last message he does not move 
He sees them in that condition and he does not move for approximately 12 hours or until the test is just about over. So they were there in this condition for 12 hours. But many of us have been in this condition toiling, toiling and in burden and hurting and in agony and anger with God for years. Their condition only lasted for a short time in perspective. But many of our conditions last longer and they are recurring. There are recurring conditions, recurring storms. We go through the same incidences over and over and over again. And these recurring conditions cause frustration. They cause agony. They, they may cause anger. They, they cause confusion. They disrupt our lives where we want to go one way. Then here comes these disrupting winds pushing us back the other way. It lasted for them 12 hours. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, for some of you, it's lasted a whole lot longer than that. We've tried to go forward, but every time we go try to go forward, we get pushed right back. The wind is contrary. And we have had no other solution that we've known of other than to try with brute force to try to push back, to try to get the oars and row and row to our destination. Now, let me show you something, share with you something very peculiar. The Bible says that they were toiling in rowing. Say rowing. Say rowing. Rowing. If you've ever seen someone rowing, anybody ever seen someone row a boat? Rowing is also an Olympic sport, isn't it? And you see the position of their body. Let me get my boat again. Praise the Lord. I'm going to get my boat and bring it over here. Come on, boat. Get in the water. And usually there are about two people. Who wants to row with me today? Nobody wants to row with me today? All right, if you want to row with me today, come on and get up in my boat. Praise the Lord. All right, I got one person that's going to row with me. Now, it's going to be a little bit wet as we get up here because we're in the water. All right? Now, so, Minster Tanner and I are rowing. Now, don't let me do all the work. You got to row. So, we are rowing, right? We are rowing. We are rowing, trying to get to where Jesus said. All right? All right. Now, you hold for a second. Freeze frame. I'm pausing you. Beep. Now, I need someone else. Someone else come up as well and help her row because I'm going to narrate what's happening here. All right. All right. All right. Here comes Parnell. He's coming up. And uh, he is going to get into the ship. Did you get your boots on, your uh, water boots? All right. But there you go. Pull up your pants. All right, he is now getting into the ship, and they are now both rowing, trying to get to the other side. There's agony on their faces. Look at the agony. Look at the agony. They're rowing. Now, all right, hold for a second. You see them rowing? Now, when you row, now this, very, this is a prophetic picture, and I pray you hear this, because this is the condition that many of your lives are in right now. They are attempting to go forward while looking at their past. Somebody didn't get that. Let me say it another way. When they are rowing, in order to row, they have to put the oars, do it slowly, putting the oars in the, in the water, right? And they're pulling back. Forward is that way. Forward is that way. That's where they're going, that way. Where they've been is that way. Are you hearing? Their backs are to the direction that they want to go. And so many of us are trying to go forward by looking back. And every once in a while, a good rowing person, a good oarsman will turn his head and see where he's going. Go ahead and turn. Make sure you're going in the right direction, right? And then you're coming forward. You're looking. You got to go back now and you're paying attention, right? You're because the, I mean, you're there, you're rowing. They're, all their effort is in going forward, but they're looking back to their past. Are you understanding? And that's where many of us are. Give them a hand, please. Did you understand that? Thank you very much. Take a bow. Take a bow. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Get out the water. All right. Praise the Lord. The very nature of rowing is when we try to move forward 
while looking back at the very same time. The nature of rowing is to propel oneself forward to a destination while at the same time staring at where you have been while periodically glancing over your shoulder to your next destination. Rowing. And that's where a lot of us are. We try to go forward in life, try to um, get a new job, new career, try to get something going, try to, try to really get something going, try to really get somewhere. But it's difficult when we're in this position. When all we can see is how we failed. When all we can see is what has happened. And you're constantly, constantly looking at really the negative. Because you've been there. You've done that. You want to go over here. So not only is the wind pushing you back. You're also looking back. And every once in a while you glance over your shoulder to where you got to go. That's a prophetic picture. We can unpause the player right now. So we see here that the disciples are in this condition. Looking back, but heading forward. Looking back, but heading forward. But in this particular case, they are stuck. Because the wind is blowing and it is picking up the sea. It is picking up the ocean here. And the water is quite turbulent. And every once in a while, the waves splash over and hits them. It's very turbulent. So they have a lot of activity, but they're not going anywhere. A lot of activity. The wind is picking up, picking up the waves. And they're rowing as hard as they can, as hard as they can, while looking backward and trying to move forward. This is a prophetic picture. And this is what the Lord wants to really us zoom in on at this time. The Bible declares, you can write these down. I'm going to just go through some scriptures here. Because some of us feel like this will happen, that this has been like this for a while, and we're doomed to continue this cycle, and that is not correct. But why, some would ask, why, why wouldn't the Lord, or why is the Lord allowing me uh, to go through this? Because at any moment, Jesus could have lifted his hand even on the shore, even from the shore. He could have been in Timbuktu, really didn't matter. He could have been on a planet Jupiter and said, stop it. But he allowed it to be so. Why is that? Because more oftentimes, listen, God is more interested in your growth and maturity than he is in your comfort or ease. I pray you got that. He's more interested in your growth or maturity than he is at times your comfort or ease at times. This is not meant. They're not meant to stay here. They've got things to do. You're not meant to stay here. You've got things to do. You're meant to get to your destination. This is just a pit stop. Are you hearing? This is a momentary glitch, if you will. This is a momentary, a momentary uh, thing. You're going to get out of here in just a few moments. But the Lord is more interested in you getting, uh, in you growing and maturing than you having comfort or ease at this moment. This moment will pass. And for many, and for many, the moment did pass. They cried out. They hit their, if you will, their panic button. They hit their panic button. And that's the title of today's message, the panic button. They hit the panic button. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. And listen, because they were immature, God scooped them out. Because they're immature. But the more mature you are, the longer he will allow you to stay in it. Are you hearing the more mature you are, the longer he will allow you to stay in it. Why? Because he has confidence in you. More confidence in you than you do. He knows what you can take. He knows what you can withstand. Remember, when he sets up the scenario, when he sets up the scenario, when he puts you there, he knows what you can take. He knows what you can stand. As we said last week, he won't put on you something that you can't bear. It is the immature that he rescues. Immediately. 
as you first when you when the trouble first appears we cry oh god get you out of it some people say well when i was first saved it seemed like when i just said a little prayer it seemed like god just answered just right there he was right there right there right there but then as you began to grow and mature in the things of god it seemed like the answer would come not as fast because the mature you became, the more God knew, okay, you can wait now. You can wait now. Because I'm trying to produce something in you. I'm trying to grow you up. I'm trying to mature you. I'm trying to make you in who you are to be. You understand that? When the baby cries in the crib, we don't wait 12 hours to go and get the baby. Once you hear the, fur, the, 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 the slightest noise or the, or the slightest coo, you're over there. When the child begins to grow and the child is maybe five or six years old and they begin to see um, uh, monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet, they get out of their bed and they run over to mom and daddy's room. Oh, daddy, daddy, there is a monster under my bed. And daddy gets up and runs in there. Daddy knows that there is nothing there, but there is something under that bed that is frightening the child. So the, so the daddy gets up or so the mommy gets up and looks under the bed. Let me look under the bed for you. All right. Uh, daddy steps on the monster and the child is able to go back to sleep. But then as a child continues to grow, now the child is 13 and 15 years old. Don't be running in my room then talking about monsters under your bed. <laughs> After a certain period of time, the parent then begins, in, be, then begins to give the child instruction from the bed. Honey, go back to bed. It's all right. Oh, like my mama did me when I was coming up. I used to have some terrible nightmares. Mama used to tell me, honey, just go in. Son, just go in and plead the blood of Jesus. Just say the blood of Jesus and everything will be all right. Just declare the blood of Jesus at an early age. I was declaring the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank God for a godly mama. Amen. So mama didn't want to get up anymore, she, so she gave me the tools that I needed to defeat these adversaries that were under my bed and in my closet. She didn't rise at my whimper. She simply gave me instruction. And I took the instruction back to my problem and the problem went away. There's a certain time, there's a certain moment when God says, all right, now you can handle this. Because it's now it's time for you to grow. Now it's time for you to mature. Because in just a little while, you'll have to be in your full assignment. And you're going to need this experience to carry you through to the real problems. Then I cast out devils in my closet. Now I cast out devils out of people and out of houses. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Glory to God and out of atmospheres. One thing leads to the next. Every, every round goes a little bit higher and a little bit higher. So we see this prophetic picture. You can handle this now, boys. Now, why did the Lord Jesus know that they could handle that? One, of course, he was God, yes. But also in the same chapter, we see how the Lord Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits. He was there in his own hometown. The Bible says that in, in his own hometown, he could not do many um, mighty works there. So he sent them out. Sent them out and he gave them power over devils, power over demons. Why didn't you use that same power here? Previously, they were in the same sort of storm. And Jesus, as we said before, was in the ship asleep. And he showed them, this is how you handle this situation. But because the storm had lasted so long, their hearts began to be hardened. Have you... You ever know somebody whose heart is hardened? Some things didn't really work out the way that they thought it should work out. And now they've forgotten what Jesus did for them in the past. And then now they don't know if they're going to make it or not. But let me tell you some things. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. 
The Bible says that for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, say worketh for me, worketh for me a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That means it's temporary, subject to change at any moment. The things which, the things, um, which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Lord says here, 2 Corinthians 4, that these are light afflictions. The hell that's going on here on the water is nothing compared to the hell that's going on under the earth. Whatever you're going through now, whatever you're facing, it could be a whole lot worse. Say with me, it's a light affliction. It's a light affliction. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I told you it has an expiration date. Every trial, every situation, every temptation has an expiration date. It says, for our light affliction, which is only but for a moment, worketh for us. It is producing something in us. It is producing uh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory in you. While you look, not at what you see, but at what you don't see. While we look unto Jesus as we see him. We're looking unto his promises and looking unto what he has said. We're remembering what he's done for us in the past because when the storm kicks up, it is hard to see. And please remember that this experience is happening at night. There is no sunlight. It is at night. There is moonlight. Yes, possibly. I'm not sure if there was cloud cover or not, but it was extremely dark on the waters in a dark place. They were toiling and rowing. And in Romans 8, 18, it says this, Romans 8, 18. It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This Romans 8, 18. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time. How are you suffering in this present time? He says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you. He's allowing this to produce that glory out of you. It's working for you. Turn to David and tell him it's working for you. It's working. Romans 8, 26 says this. Likewise, the spirit also uh, helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself or himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, and he that searcheth the heart knoweth what the mind of the spirit knoweth uh, what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things, say all things, these troubles, these trials, these situations, this suffering, all things work together for what? For good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All right. The love, the word love here is, is an attaching word. There are people that say passing. Oh, yeah, I love God. Yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let's wait till the fire sets in. Let's wait till the storm sets in. Are you really attached to him? If you are attached to him, to your core, this is going to work out just fine. It's working together for your good. Now, how is that happening? Well, we now we know that the spirit of God is praying within us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you're really going through a storm, you'll notice that your spirit man will begin to grow. Yes, yes, yes. 
will begin to groan. There is grieving that comes up from your inner belly once you've been in something for a while. And the longer you've been in it, the more the groaning comes up. Well, what is happening with that groaning? Well, the Holy Spirit is taking that groaning and he's turning it into a language and he's sending it up to the Father. This is a perfect prayer that he's bringing out of you with groanings. Oh, oh, this groanings, this groaning, this agony is producing something in you that is far greater than what you can even imagine. This groaning, I'm not sure how many of you have ever groaned going on I-20. Ever groaned or, or cried out there in the bedroom. Ever yelled into your pillow from the, from the innermost being, oh God, oh God, the groaning comes up and the Holy Spirit takes that thing and calls it to become a language and he sends it up before the Father. Hallelujah, don't you ever think that God does not hear you? Are you hearing today? First Peter, the fourth chapter, verse number 13 says this. First Peter 4, 13. It says, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Rejoice when you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now, I didn't say your sufferings. I said Christ's sufferings. If you go around, you go slapping ladies, don't you? When they slap you back or this and that and the other, that's your fault. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? When you are suffering for Christ, that's one thing. Hallelujah. Let's look what the Lord Jesus said here in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, you can write this down. Matthew 5, verses 10, 11, and 12, it says this. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Were they not persecuted for righteousness sake, trying to do the right thing, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good mother, trying to be a good servant of the Lord, persecuted for righteousness sake, just trying to do the right thing. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. That is, talk about you like a dog. Blessed are you, he said, and uh, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. I love that. They will say all manner of evil against you falsely. Falsely. Make sure that what they're saying about you is false. You're blessed when they say evil about you and it's false. I'll leave that right there. Thank you, Lord. Uh, for my sake, verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Are you hearing? Turn to your name and tell them, This hard thing you're going through is working for you. If you receive that. Don't harden your heart in the midst of it. Don't harden your heart in the midst of the hard thing. Don't harden your heart in the midst of the hard thing. Let me say that one more time. Don't harden your heart in the midst of a hard thing. All it's going to do is obscure your, your vision of Jesus. And we're going to see this in just a moment. As we go back to Mark now, Mark the sixth chapter, Mark sixth chapter, we see here again in Mark six forty eight. it says, and when, rather in verse 48, and he saw them toiling and rowing. We have that picture, right? Amen. Trying to move forward while looking at the past. And every once in a while we gaze over to the future. And at the same time, you're stuck in that same place. All you can do now, because this is a, this is a demonic storm here. The enemy knows that if I can just cause them to continue to look at what's been happening, 
what had happened, their own mistakes and their own failures, their own inadequacies, their own insecurities, how they rejected you and how they talked about you, how you didn't get this job, how you didn't get that promotion. If he can just keep you staring at where you have been, sooner or later, you're going to stop trying to move forward. Are you hearing? And so it says here, he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh. Say, he cometh. Now, the word he cometh in the Greek is actually translated, of course, to come. Now, I want you to understand this. As it relates to a person, it means to come from one place to another. And uh, is used both of persons arriving and of those returning. Listen to this definition. The word, the phrase, he cometh, also means to appear, to make one's presence uh, known, or to make, uh, to make one's appearance, we can say. It also means to come before the public. So when you see here the, the, the phrase, in the fourth watch of the night, he cometh, it really means here to make one's appearance known or to appear. Now, I want you to see, see another prophetic picture that is unfolding. Are you ready to pause your spiritual DVD players again? Let's go a little bit further. Let's look at verse 49. It says, but when... Okay, verse 49, it says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and... Did what? What did they do? They cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. All right, stop there for a moment. They saw him and were troubled. They saw him walking on the sea. Now, we know approximately where Jesus is walking. The Bible says that they all saw him. Now, if they all are rowing, is Jesus in front of them? That is, is he closer to the destination? Not if they all saw him. Is he, maybe he's on the right side of them. If they all saw him, probably not because the boat is probably wide enough for them to be two by two. And they're all rowing. So if he's on the right side, maybe all of them didn't see them. Or the left side, maybe all of them didn't see them. But we can clearly say that all of them saw him as he's coming out of the past area. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is coming from or, or he appears to be, if you will, a vision from the past. He this image now comes up. We can say he's a prophetic picture. Let's pause. It's not a prophetic picture of the disciples. They are toiling and rowing. They're aggravated. They're angered. They're frustrated, wondering why it's taking so long to get here. And they are really in a bad way. And then all of a sudden, they see something coming up from their past that frightens them. At this moment, they do not know it's Jesus, but they see a figure moving toward them from their past. Somebody said, Jesus, what are you doing in their past? Somebody got to clean up your mess. Amen. Somebody got to get that together. And here's a word from this, from this snapshot we can say. Here's a word from this snapshot. That the Lord Jesus is coming from the past to strengthen you from your past so that you can move forward. He's bringing strength to you out of the things that were causing you ruin or decay. There are some things in your past when you think about it can cause you to shiver, causes you to quake. When you just think about it, it may cause you to stammer. It may cause you to stutter. It may cause you to cry. It may cause you to weep. It may cause you to run and hide. Don't want anybody to see. Don't want anybody to know about these skeletons that were in the closet. And Jesus said, I'm arising from your past. There is an image of Christ rising from your past, coming toward you, coming to strengthen you so that you may go forward to where you're meant to be. I pray you see this prophetic picture that the, that the Lord is unfolding before us now. You need to say, Lord, I receive that. 
Because as the Lord deals with your past, he deals also with your present and your future at the same times. As he unravels your past, as he lets you see that rape was not your fault. As he lets you see that assault and that assault charge, you were really put in a corner there. But he'll let you see that he was with you all at the same time. As he unravels your past, as he takes apart the mistakes layer upon layer upon layer and let you see his glory in the midst of it, he's going to promote you from that area and move you forward. Are you hearing what's being said? So here's a figure now that is arising from the past. It's a dark area and the wind is blowing and the water is crashing against the ship and water is getting in their eyes. It's getting in their eyes and, and they're trying, they are desperate and slowly but surely they see a figure moving on the water from the past, from where they have been and it is terrifying. It is terrifying. One of two things will happen. One, either you're going to jump out the boat and, boat and start swimming the best you can. Forget y'all. I'm gone. Or two, you're going to try to row faster. I got to get away from this. I got to get away. I got to get away. But just as they cry out. Now to cry out here, I want you to see this. Well, let's back up just for a moment. The Bible says here again that he cometh unto them. That is, he's coming to appear. We know why he's coming from the phrase he cometh. He's coming to appear. He's coming to make them make himself known. The word does not say he's coming to deliver them at this moment. He says he's coming to show up. He's coming to give them a vision of himself. He's coming to let them see that this thing y'all worried about, I'm, I'm walking on this, no problem for me. He's come to let them see that he is the master of the storm, that he is the, the storm walker. He's coming to see just like daddy coming and looking under the bed. There's nothing there. What you're afraid of? Everything's okay. He's coming to walk on it. But you need to see a picture of God overcoming the thing that has been overcoming you. You need to see that he is an overcomer even in this situation. He's coming to let them know you can handle this. You can deal with this. As we come to our close here. So we know why he's coming because of that phrase. It says in the fourth watch of night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and wood. Say wood. Say wood. Wood have passed them by. The word wood here is in the Greek um, feel. And it means to will. It means have in mind. It means intent. Intent. Would have passed them by. Intended to pass them by. Have in his will, his mind, to pass you by. Wow, what Jesus? You see me toiling over here? <laughs> 12 hours trying to get to where I got to. We, we, they're not there yet. <laughs> trying to get there, trying to get there. Then all of a sudden you see someone coming and you freak out, hit the panic button. Oh, Lord. Jesus, it's his plan. It's the Lord's plan not to come over here and immediately stop it. By the word, it is his plan to come, show himself, water under my feet, under my feet. You can do it. And his intent is to pass them by. What does that mean? That he has confidence in you that once you see him, you'll do what he has done. And you'll also become a master of the storm. You'll put the devil underneath your feet and you'll rise up as more than a conqueror. You'll tell the devil, get out and he'll go. You need to see Jesus doing it because you'll have to do it as well. Jesus said the works that I do shall you do also because I go unto my father. He showed himself as a storm walker so that you can become a storm walker. It's the intent not to come and deliver you. Oh, they're crying. Let me go rescue the babies. No. 
here. I'm here. Catch y'all over there, okay? They're meant to go, oh my God. Well, Jesus is is walking on this. Hey, Peter, he's doing it. Yeah. Bartholomew, stop kicking me, Andrew. Stop kicking me. Stop kicking me. I see him. Hey, we can do this thing too. Let's just leave the boat here and let's all go walk with him. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what's being said? His intent, walk up, here I am, and walk on. But because they hit the panic button. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing? They hit the panic button. So he had to abort it. They cried out for fear. Look at that. They cried out. They supposed it was the spirit and they cried out. This cry is coming from the innermost core of their being. Fear is coming up. There was so they allowed what was around them to now come into them and they began to drown in fear. They began to drown. Anybody ever felt like that you were drowning in fear? You're so afraid you couldn't even talk. So afraid you didn't even know what to do. They hit the panic button. And so here's that. Hold on. I'm coming. And their panic caused him to release a word. Please hear this as we're closing. Their panic calls him to release a word. He says, be of good cheer. In other words, be of good courage. Have courage. And then he does not say, it's me, Jesus. He says, it is I. He declares himself to be the great I am. It is I. It is I. The same thing he told Moses there on the mountain. Tell him the great I am has sent you. It is I. And when he says the word I, I see all the planets begin to align and come to attention. He's declaring himself. God is declaring himself on the earth. It is I. And that means that everything that was on that boat that was tormenting them had to stop, had to cease. God is declaring himself now. It is I. And then he says, be not afraid. It's me. Now, they still could not see him, but they recognized his voice. He said, I still can't see how I'm going to make it out of this mess, but I recognize the voice of God that he's, as he's speaking to me right now. I recognize his voice. I recognize his word to me. I know that it is him. Now, if you allow me just for a moment. So Jesus was going to walk by them. Intending just to go on. Would God do that? Is that the God that I serve that would allow me to stay out there? Does he have that much faith in me? Somebody said, Lord, I wish you wouldn't have that much faith in me. Listen, there are several evidences in Scripture, and we're, I'm really going to close out with this, where even Esther, in the book of Esther, the third chapter, where there was a command put out by the king, kill all the Jews. Esther rises up. You know the account. Esther rises up and goes before the king, and the king does not say in Esther, the third chapter, uh, or rather in the eighth chapter, it goes on. He does not say, he does not issue a decree not to kill the Jews, but what he actually does, he issues out a decree that the Jews could assemble themselves and defend themselves should someone come to attack them. God did not bring them out of it, but he gave them the power to remain in it. Right? Well, the same thing with Noah. God said, hey, I'm going to flood the whole planet. He did not say, I'm going to beam you up out of the earth. He said, I'm going to give you blueprints for an ark. You're still going to go through it, but I'm going to give you the, the structure that you need to go through this thing successfully. Are you with me? Well, the same thing he said there to the three Hebrew boys. We know that facing the fiery furnace. He did not say, I'm going to take out a lot of these things. So we we'll have to do it. He said, no, but I will keep you in the fire. Same thing he said to Daniel in the lion's den. He didn't stop him from going to the lion's den. He just kept him in the lion's den. Are you hearing what's being said today? This is his pattern. And, and listen to what the Bible says in John seventeen fifteen. The Lord Jesus sprang to the Father and he said, And I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. 
Don't take them out, Father. Just keep them. Just guard them. Remember, he's more interested in your growth and your maturity than your ease or your comfort. Are you hearing? The same thing happens there in Luke, the 22nd, 22nd chapter. As the Lord Jesus told Peter, Peter uh, or Simon, Satan designs to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Amen. Oh, Lord, you're going to deliver me? No, I have prayed for you. I pray for you that your faith fail you not. I'm not going to take you out of it, but I will give you the strength to remain in it, to come out victoriously. The same thing that happened to Paul. He said, I sought the Lord three times for him to take this devil away from me. But he said, my grace is efficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I'm not going to take you out of it, but I'll give you the strength to go through it, to be victorious in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you are a baby, someone says, God bless babies and fools. If you're one of those, I'm sure when you do it, his intent is to come and grab you up out of there. But you will never see growth that way. God bless the parents who still treating their teenagers or their young adults, 20 and 20 and then their 30s, they're still treating them like a baby. They'll never learn to stand. They'll never learn to do if you keep doing it for them. Amen. You wipe their nose when they're a baby. When you're old, you say there's a tissue box. Amen. Right? You clean the dirty diapers when they're a baby. When they're older, if you still clean the diapers, something is wrong. Sooner or later, you got to learn to go to the bathroom by yourself. And I shouldn't have to watch you go either. Hallelujah. There's a time of growth and maturity. So he will not always, why hasn't God done it? Why hasn't God done it? First of all, he's trying to give you a picture of himself. You see, I'm okay. Everything's all right. Have a little water. See, I'm drinking it. It's all right. See, I'm on the water. I'm the storm walker. Look at the wind going through my hair. I'm okay. You can be okay too. Are you hearing? So let's not always say, God, get me out. God, get me out. But Lord, give me a better picture. Help me to see you in the midst of this storm. Help me to hear your voice in the midst of this storm and become a storm walker. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We'll stop right there in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.